0: to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This program is where we discuss the films of the Walt Disney Company. Uh, those are great films, bad films, and everything in between. And tonight we are going to discuss them with the folks that you have come to know and love. Uh, myself, I am Ryan Kilpatrick, the host of the program and owner, proprietor, and sometimes blogger at DisneyFilmProject.com. Of course, the folks that you know who bring the knowledge to this program, we have first of all, Miss Brianna Alessio, who is the attractions blogger at DisneyDrivenLife.com and blogger at Adventures of Brie at Adventures of com. How are you, Brie?
1: I'm good. I would rather be back in Florida at Disney World, but you know, doing Wait, okay.
2: You were in Florida? <laughs> yeah, she was. Yeah, I was.
1: Yes,
2: yeah, she
0: was.
1: <laughs> For seven glorious nights,
0: all cool. four of were in Florida at the same time. That was, was kind of, and there's a picture to prove it. At least one
1: that yeah, was pretty epic.
0: Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, the The other voice you hear there is Mr. Todd Perlmuter, who was also in Florida. But that's not really unusual for him because that's where he lives. Uh, and while he lives there, he does such things as blog at touringplans.com and serve as chief technical officer at disneydrivenlife.com. com. How are you, Mr. Mr. Todd?
2: I am doing pretty good other than that it's cold yeah it got cold all of a sudden today didn't it yeah you know it's it's 68 degrees here that's too cold for me
1: oh you know what stop <laughs> talking uh,
2: it's like 47 right now 47 yeah i'm only i'm only like 400 miles north of you
1: what? see we're in between that we're about 55 right now wow yeah
2: Wait, huh. it's co- it's colder where ryan is than where you are yeah. But you're like upstate. You're like almost Canada.
1: Well, kind of. <laughs> in the, in the gra- grander scheme of things, yes.
2: Yeah. Or South Alaska, as some people like to
0: call it. Exactly,
1: exactly. There you go.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, b- basking in the warmth with uh, Todd there is his, his beautiful bride and uh, producer of the program, is Cheryl Perlmutter, who, who takes these things and, and edits them into coherence. Um, trust me, um, there's, there's a lot of editing to be done. How are you, Cheryl?
3: Doing good. I am not cold.
0: Good, you 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 have a good head on your shoulders, unlike unlike Mr. Perlmutter over there who thinks it's cold.
3: It is not know, cold. It is cold probably in somewhere like Alaska, I bet, but not here.
0: There you go. That's right. Yeah,
1: wow. it's, it's cold in like Georgia. That's
2: like yeah, it's delta- cold here. <laughs> That's like our second Alaska reference in ten minutes. Props to Alaska tonight.
1: Now, now we're gonna, <laughs> now we're gonna be like influential in that on clout now. It's so all gonna see Alaska on all of our profiles. <laughs>
3: Skagway. It's well, no, we we all are from Skagway.
0: Well, there yes. you go.
1: Right.
0: If we're That's going right. to a reunion, right, you're from if, Skagway.
3: If,
1: we're, if we a reunion Wait, is, that, is that like a segue? No.
2: No. It's, <laughs> it's the it's the town where the where the people get off when they go to Alaska. It's like it's like. NASA and the Bahamas, but...
1: Uh, no, I know, I'm just saying, like, it sounds... Yes, it sounds so it's 61... 66.1
3: degrees here, Todd. See that? 66.1. No,
2: See, so it got colder as we were sitting.
3: All See, right.
0: it's
2: the though, that makes the difference
0: between warm and cold, I think. I, I'm colder now just hearing it.
3: <laughs> I'm warm. Oh, there we... I, had, I had the AC going in the car, so... See?
0: So, for more of this discussion, you can just watch the webcam that we put up in the Perlmutter household... Uh, but tonight we will we will instead uh focus on discussing the nightmare before Christmas. So uh it's a perfect thing to bridge the gap between between Halloween and the holiday season if you're interested in that sort of thing, and who isn't really.
2: I agree. We're all
0: interested in in, in Halloween and, and the holidays and what's better to, to go between those than than this movie. Uh, the Tim, it's often referred to as Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, and we can talk about the reasons for that. But, um, first of all, I wanted to say, now, Bree, this was your first time seeing this, correct?
1: Yes, it was my very first time seeing this.
0: And, and Todd, I assume you, you and Cheryl are like me, you've seen this seven bajillion times already?
2: I, I have. I don't know how many times Cheryl's actually seen it.
3: No, not, not a bajillion, a few.
2: I, yeah. I probably saw it seven bajillion times before I met Cheryl, so... Ah.
3: Well, this is also um, Todd's brother. This is his favorite movie.
2: Yes, this is my brother's favorite movie, and uh, my brother <laughs> being the person who dresses up as people like Jack Skellington and Edward Scissorhands, so there you go.
0: So we, so Todd and, Todd and Cheryl and I have all seen this before. Bree, I just want to get your initial impressions from seeing this for the first time. You don't have to rate it or anything, but just... This this is not what you'd call a normal movie. So I'm just kind of curious what your initial impression was.
1: Well, you know what? I had only seen previews of it and snippets from when they they showed the film on Fox Family. Things like that. But I I never actually sat down to watch it. And the reason was they always made it seem super creepy. In a way, it is super creepy. But it's its own style. It's Tim Burton. I mean, you really can't beat his design and i don't know like when i went into it i adored the whole beginning the whole this is halloween and the song and that whole scheme i have to be honest that as the film went on i did lose a little bit of interest but i still stayed with it and you know i enjoyed it okay
0: interesting yeah you bring up tim burton um it's very strange this is like you said, his sense of design pervades all of his work. So if you saw the Alice in Wonderland remake, or I don't know if that's a remake or not, the, the 2010 version, um, his design ethic's all over it. His design ethic was all over Beetlejuice. But he didn't actually direct
2: this movie, which is strange. Yeah, there were two, there are two reasons for that, apparently. One is apparently he was doing Batman Returns at, you know, at the same time and he got called to that. I'm kind of sort of figuring that maybe that paid more. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, The other reason is apparently he really actually hates stop-motion. He likes the way it looks when it's done but he hates the act of doing it. Yeah, the time. The time-consuming, yeah. Yeah. So he was really happy to not be doing (laughs) doing it for that reason. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the whole thing came
0: about, the, the Nightmare Before Christmas was when Burton was working for Disney uh, in the early 80s. He wrote this as a poem to, to sort of be, serve as a, I don't know, his distilling all of the um, old stop motion TV specials or, you know, the How the Grinch Stole Christmas animated special. Or something. This is the Tim Burton version of, of those great Christmas specials from the 60s. Right. Um, and I
2: mean, in fact, you see direct references to them in the movie as well. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the, whole, the
0: whole movie basically takes the tropes from those and kind of makes it yeah. – fits them into different slots. I know, I've noticed a lot of this. I've watched it in, in my older years, um, all those things coming back. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when, I, when I watched it younger, I didn't notice it as much, but now that I've seen those and this is a, a lot more – I noticed that he, you know, a lot of stuff's kind of directly lifted.
2: I, I yeah, well, he was also infatuated with um, the uh, the visit from Saint Nick poem. You know, know, 'twas a night before Christmas went all through the house. That poem, mm-hmm. he, and that was why it had. That was why, to him, it was a poem that he wrote, and that it was lyrical, and that there was music involved. If it was going to be a movie and all that stuff, that was all stemmed from that concept as well, and that they mm-hmm. sing in the in the half hour specials. It was also in. Also Disney originally wanted to option it as a half an hour special. They didn't want it to be a movie initially, but he kind of pushed them into a bigger thing cuz he's a big he's a big picture man. He's not a 30 minute short.
0: Yeah, he's definitely a feature guy and they they um they were working on it as like you said a 30 minute special and Henry Selleck, who ended up directing it was working at Disney again as an animator at the time he's the one who who really um is is the big proponent of stop motion. He worked with Burton on on, on the shorts that he did at Disney, Vincent and, and Frank and Weenie. And it was when when this came back around after Burton had left Disney. We talked a little bit about this in the Fox and the Hound episode. But Burton, along with several other folks, left Disney in the in the in eighties. When but he signed a I don't know what you'd call it distribution deal, consulting deal. Basically, we want to be in the Tim Burton business deal with Disney. And this was one of the. Uh, this was one of the things that they brought back is how do we take this nightmare before christmas and do something with it and like like todd like you said he was he was busy being a big shot director and working on batman returns uh so he had henry selick uh take over the project and work with work with him on the the design sort sort of things whereas burton then um worked with danny elfman on the music uh, Henry Selleck kind of worked on the actual direction and all that sort of stuff, and it came together over a pretty long period of time. Obviously, uh, it took out it took about two years to to create the entire movie.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of people working on the movie. I mean, they they figured approximately a hundred. I guess they didn't get a real head count. You know, because everything just says a pr- about a hundred, not like you know, usually like you hear, like read like one hundred and twenty-three people worked on this movie. When you read the details like that, right? Um, I couldn't find anything that was more specific than about one hundred. Um, so uh, a lot of comp- uh, you know, a lot of effort goes into these movies. For example, of if you look at the number of characters versus the number of puppets in the movie, which is two hundred twenty-seven puppets, you actually you know the the ratio there is very. You know, it's it's a large large number of puppets per character, basically, and there's reasons for that because it's puppets, right? Puppets break while people are using them, right? So what happens is is that um, because of that, they actually came up with uh, a whole system for handling that. Because up until that point, stop stop they actually made stop motion be a better process as part of this movie because mm-hmm. they came up with two things. One. Uh, the, t- the two biggest things that cause a scene to have to be reshot shot in stop motion are uh, stage lights fail to come on or um, a puppet breaks, okay, because both of them require the entire scene to be reshot. So what they did was they came up with ways to capture these things before they actually started shooting, okay, so that they could pause the motion better and not have to re-carry the scene or anything like that. So, uh, so they set up, basically, if, if a stage light failed at all, a, a loud clar- clarion would go off, or, or an alarm. Sorry, I used the technical term. Of, sorry. It's <laughs>
0: quite all right. I like, I like the word clarion.
3: I do, too. It, and, feels, uh,
2: it
0: feels like it should have been in Thor.
3: Yeah. It's a hotel chain, though. Oh.
1: That's right.
2: And, then, and there you go. Oh. Um, also, also, what they did was they kept this way where they could literally, like, swap a puppet in and out almost immediately and let the scene continue so it's um it's you know when the, when you start to look at this thing that that they did, I mean, like you said, it still took years to make the movie, okay um, One of the interesting things is that the mo so for those that don 't know about film i 'm going to get a little technical a second so there's twenty four frames per second per second is what film is normally shot at, okay, which is what was still being shot back then, as opposed to digital is normally shot at thirty frames per second per second, okay mm-hmm. am I getting this right, other person who is in film school? <laughs> <laughs> and um right. but but uh they intentionally did this slower so they're only doing 12 frames per second per second here that's why it has that slightly jerkiness to it mm-hmm. okay and there's only two scenes in the entire movie where they break away from that
1: yeah One, I, I heard that there was up to 12 stop motion moves right well that's
2: what they mean that, so they're yeah. they're they're you typically do them at a, at a per second when you do stop motion, right. so because it's the twenty, so because you do normally do twenty four frames, what that means is that they're doing, they're doing twelve frames instead of the instead of the normal twenty four in the film. That's what that's what they mean when they say it that way. So there were all, only two scenes in the movie that they did at twenty four though, and it's not really clear to me why, but they did them. Um, one is in the very beginning when they're panning through the forest. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, and the other one is uh, towards the end of the movie which of course we're spoiling what we haven't even talked about yet because we haven't actually even talked about the actual movie yet <laughs> uh, you know, okay. we skip um, around it's what we do. It, it is at the end when um, Oogie Boogie gets unraveled and the bugs all are falling into the lava that's actually done at the faster frame rate I guess probably because the bugs were crawling so they felt the bugs would look way too jerky if they didn't do it at the faster frame rate
0: yeah, I mean that 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 that'd be my guess. Yeah, I mean that sounds right to me. You know,
2: um, and and I, in, another interesting puppet fact that I found was that uh, Sally, what because they'd actually when you do stop motion, you actually pause and take a cup, take the sh- take the the one click of the camera, and then you you move the figure, and then you take another click. That's essentially what's going on. Mm-hmm. They would to get Sally's facial emotion because Sally is really has the most emotional face in the entire movie if you watch it. What they would do is they would stop the, stop her action and they'd remove one of her faces and they'd put another face with a different emotion in there. And they'd do this every single time. They would need to switch the emotions. It was pretty neat. Now, I figure most people know this, but it stands to reason to say it. It's that um, the, hol- the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay is they take the characters from this movie, Nightmare Before Christmas, and they put them in into and throughout – the haunted mansion in Anaheim at in New Orleans Square, right? and it's awesome. It is awesome. I mean, I actually prefer I actually like the outside more than I necessarily like the inside stuff. But just I I, could, I think it makes the building look really cool, like cooler than I think it normally looks. Yes, it does. Uh, it,
0: it makes the building look cool. It also just like like to me, the haunted mansion doesn't have a great through line story. I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I love it, but yeah. This the Haunted Mansion holiday does and kinda plays plays really well and
2: Yeah, because if you've been to Disney World and you think the line at Disney World is long for Haunted Mansion, the line (laughs) during the holidays for for Disneyland is way longer and it's it like you said it's nice so it's because you know disney is now developing this concept of interactive cues but if you think about it in in a lot of ways that might have been their first interactive queue because there's all these things for you to read and to find that they hide throughout the the yeah, entire queue so it's 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 right and you know jack's list is like there and you get to read all the names and there are other things on there besides names and, yeah it's
0: it's really detailed and really fantastic yeah
2: I mean once I get inside I kind of sort of don't really necessarily need all the other stuff I, I mean the 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 cake is it like the the ballroom scene is interesting because the table is different yeah and uh getting to see zero and Jack in the graveyard is interesting but the rest of it isn't really that important to me I don't know why gotcha. other than the outside those are the three things that I go to look for when I ride when I ride at that when it's like that
0: yeah, I've only been out there once to do it, but it was it was really fun. Uh, I think we did it five times while we were there. But um, if you if you have the Blu-ray, if you buy the Blu-ray edition of the of the movie, um, then you can do a virtual ride through of the queue and the the ride itself. So for all you Blu-ray fans out there, that's a an added bonus. That's why I bought the Blu-ray.
2: Okay, cool. I did Good. not know that. Yep,
0: and they're and it, actually they will. They have little pieces where they'll break it down scene by scene from the ride and tell you what's going into each scene and why. And it's, well,
1: that's neat. It's oh. really
0: fantastic. Very interesting. I have yep. not been
1: privileged to see Disneyland or that haunted mansion yet, so.
0: we'll think someday. Yeah, I think I think it's you know when you take this show on the road is what I'm. That's hearing. right.
2: Road trip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shotgun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, Todd's Todd's got shotgun. That's not good. I guess yeah. Cheryl's driving. People will get out of our way better if she's driving. I think so. I, <laughs> I think I think she would take charge, and we would get there in like six hours. The
3: only thing is, I don't handle traffic well. <laughs> That's the only. Thing. <laughs> That's the one Ooh, thing well. I don't handle well is traffic. Todd will there, tell you
2: there are a lot of states where you won't hit any traffic anyway. <laughs> yeah, but when we get to LA, that could be a problem.
1: Yes.
3: I'll Your take problem. over
2: then.
0: I okay. do
3: good
2: cities. All right. Sounds good. Should
0: we talk about the movie
1: maybe? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. You think so?
0: Yeah? yeah? Okay. So if you remember what we talked about with Mary Poppins, how Walt and the Sherman brothers put the songs together and then they kind of pieced it together with the stories they wanted to tell. It's a similar sort of thing here. They had the overarching story. So Tim Burton and Danny Elfman wrote the songs and then they pieced those together with the stories to, to make one cohesive film. Um, Kind of interesting that like this this film turned out you know as a critical success and Mary Poppins turned out as an artistic success both of those films using that same process it's not a process that most even most musicals would use just kind of strange to me that, that both would kind of take it songs first and story second.
3: Hmm.
2: Well, I mean, they t- so I mean, back to the thing, right? The original poem that he wrote only had three characters in it, right? It was Jack, Zero, and Santa. Right, right. Everything else, every other character you see was created just for the movie. Yeah, and
0: I'm I'm assuming, and from watching some of the special features on the Blu-ray and and that sort of thing, um, can deduce that a lot of those characters came out as they were. They're writing songs, and they wanted you know counterpoints to Jack and and all that sort of thing, and they're creating the characters of the town, and that's where Sally came from. Is they needed somebody to serve as the you know, … counterpoint to Jack and the female and the person who was – person in the room saying, I don't think this is a good idea, which right, she was right.
2: And but. she was right, but she was the only person in town who didn't blindly follow and worship Jack. That was right. She was in love with him, but she wasn't blind to him. Well, doesn't
0: it usually take the person that's in love with you to see your faults truly?
2: I suppose that's true. I'm waiting for someone to answer, but she's not.
0: She's not going to, she's not, she's not taking the bait on that one. No, she's not. But like Brianna, Brianna mentioned the the opening of the movie. And I think it's a great, it's one of those songs that gets reused a lot at Disney these days, especially at Mickey's Not So Scary. And those are sort of things which is that this is Halloween song where we get introduced to Jack and the whole idea of Halloween town and what it is. Um, and, and the design ethic here is um, really taking off of, of, uh, Edward Gorey, yes, is what what Selleck kind of based it off of, and he's kind of noted for this that that dark lines, you know, everything being made of lines and bl- you know black and white sort of. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what style you'd call it,
2: but you know, watch this. That's what it looks like. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you look it, at Halloween Town, but it's not just that, that. I always think that um the 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 people of the movie remind me of um Ed Gorey's uh, alphabet. Have you ever seen that? Po- that whole storybook and it's also a poster where yes. it's like where it's like A is for Amphibony who died this way you know and each, it's about each of the kids dying with a letter of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: no, that's right. And, and yeah, Halloween Town is sort of a no, funky place, of course. But um, it, the the song, as as any good opening song should do, sets the stage for what that whole place is all about it it gives you the the idea of what how you know that these are the people who create Halloween and they've just come off of a very successful one and but once, what i like about this movie is is the next the next piece of the movie is, is the song Jack's Lament is the whole conflict of the film is an internal conflict with Jack that manifests itself in external ways. Like even you know, Oogie Boogie is a is a problem, but he's not the villain of the piece. There's not there's really not a quote unquote villain in the movie. It's really an internal struggle in Jack of him trying to kind of find his place in the world. Right. Which is really interesting for for it it, it goes back to what we were saying about the Christmas specials, like that's something that happens in those, in Rudolph and the Grinch and, and some of those but it's not something you would expect from say from a disney movie right you always got to have a villain you got to have a a good guy and you, the, the two struggle against each other it's mm-hmm. it's a very unconventional way of telling a story
2: yeah it's it it is and it's it's nice too because so what i like about the whole opening and into to jack's like you're saying is that it you get even if you don't necessarily get all their names you get introduced to each of the characters in the movie right away yeah absolutely right and it's it's just really great because it's such an awesome way to just take you through everybody and not necessarily get a large piece of any of the characters yet. And, and I just – I really enjoy that. And, and plus you – right away between both songs, you see that Jack is not as into it as maybe he should be. And that's – and that's, like you said, that's his whole problem.
3: I think his problem is that he's bored.
2: Well, Yeah. That's a word, I mean, yeah, absolutely.
3: In that, you know, he does, he does, he basically does the same thing once a year, and it has, then they start. To them, they start right again. Don't even give like a break for you know. It whatever. takes
2: a it takes a lot to put on a
0: holiday. That's right. <laughs> I mean, Santa is is working on the toys right now, man. Yeah, you know, and and he has been for quite some time. It's
2: just it, called it, Santa Has Been. Sorry.
0: Never. <laughs> never, sir.
2: <laughs> it's interesting though, because
0: we talked about, you know, the box office for the movie wasn't that great, but it's it's kind of found its audience on, on you know on T V and on home video and on Blu ray and on DVD and then with re releases and, and IMAX and all that kind of stuff. I, I feel like the whole you know, the whole thing of Jack searching for his place in the world. Has kind of become more and more and more and more relevant as the years have gone on. You know, if if that makes sense, and maybe that's just me getting older, and that's something that we deal with. But I feel like that's a common theme that we see now in other films that we didn't see back in
2: 1993. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of sort of feel the 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 story of the movie in the characters is not doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with halloween or christmas or anything like that because it's that it, it in and of itself is a is a story that could be put into other settings and get the same point across i think
0: yeah it's just such a common theme now in 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 movies these days of the person you know who's bored with their job or with their life and they look for something new i mean you know even you know movies that are that are coming out today or this week or you know, have those themes like that big year movie with Steve Martin and, and those guys. That's what that movie's about, right? They're bored with their lives, so they got to find a new thing to do. You know, yeah. it's just it, it's it's almost you know commonplace to have a movie like that come out every month. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that anything has done it as subtly and as skillfully as this does. Yeah, because it's not it's not an interesting story, right? To go oh. The board guy is gonna find something inter- something new to
2: do. Right. It wouldn't it wouldn't pitch well. Yeah, in,
0: exactly.
3: In, I hate to say, you know what? This reminds me of is Real Steel. He's bored, by he by by kind of the by 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 his boredom, he he's self destructing. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, yeah,
0: that's true. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, that's the thing. It's like so many movies do it now. Yep. But, but back then they didn't, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know if this this spark, I don't think this sparked it, but it's just interesting how I feel like that's probably a big part of how this movie has found its audience through the years. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say not everyone can write a film about someone who's bored and trying to find ways to improve life, his life and others' lives. And uh,
2: yeah, I I also kind of like uh like we're just I, I hate to get stuck on Jack Cement, but it's really like one of the best songs in the whole movie. So. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. <laughs> um, yeah. What I like about it, you know, how I get, I got hung up on the past. As, ha- as to, I hate when people talk, talk as song, right?
3: Yeah.
2: I think this is this song is so brilliant because it is both dialogue and song, and it fits so well to either side of that.
1: Yeah, it, right? it fits I mean, well with the movie and with what he was going through.
2: Yeah, I mean, because I love lines like "I grow so weary of the sounds and screams."
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, it's it's that is not just about Halloween. (laughs) No, no, not at all. That's that's the thing. And uh, it's it's and plus, let's let's just mention really quickly that this is this is where the famous shot of Jack being on the curly Q hill comes from. Mm -hmm. Right. We can't we can't not mention that. So, yeah.
0: Well, and that's 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 one of my favorite shots. I just love that. I mean, you know, I, no, it, I don't think it's a secret that I really like the movie, but uh, that 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 shot and the way that it curls down and lets him into the graveyard or the pumpkin graveyard is awesome. is really great. I mean, just the cinematography and the way they frame the shots. It's um, it's interesting because we talked about how they're they're taking advantage or you know repurposing things from the old stop motion. But having watched, you know, last year I've watched Rudolph and then watched this, the The way that this is shot much more theatrically in like a movie than, than those were, you know, which those were obviously, you know, way behind the times technologically. Yep. Um, but but this is so cinematic in the, in the sweeping motions of the camera and that sort of thing. You know, just the way that they set the scene and then zoom in and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely... Designed to be more cinematic than than the old Christmas specials,
2: and, uh, and let's let's also not forget that this is where we meet Zero, the ghost dog. Who he's with awesome with the with the jack yes. o' lantern nose.
1: I was gonna say wildest looking dog ever. Yeah, really. So
2: he's, yeah, it's great. I and mean, I mean, clearly that again, that's he is the Rudolph of Halloween Town. That's that's the best way to describe him, right? Absolutely. I think there's no and and it's great because if that. That immediate – because anyone who looks at him for the first time goes, I get it. And then when you see it actually happen at the end of the movie and you see it coming like for 15 minutes before it even happens. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I
1: don't. I do not
2: at all. Oh, really? Yeah. I
1: really do not see it coming at
2: all. Uh, Because, you know, because it's the whole thing, right? Because she's putting the – I would, but we're jumping ahead, but she's putting the fog out, right? And that's what the song Rudolph the Red, you know. Right. Rudolph I realized I mean that, but it right? wasn't
1: yeah. putting yep. two together with the dog because the dog wasn't in the film a lot to me anyway. I, I didn't, I mean, a little. no. He's not. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't really thinking about that. I, his- I do want to make mention of one scene before Jack's Lament. I laughed hysterically when Sally un- unwound the strings from her arm and it started beating Dr. Finkelstein's head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that's it's just the kind of, of Laurel and Hardy three stooges mentality that would make me laugh. Yes. So
2: yeah,
1: I thought that was funny. I,
2: I, I also so here's here's the funny thing, it is it kinda gets lost in the movie, right? But but um Sally is supposed to be sugar and spice and everything nice, right? Because right. that's why she's stuffed with leaves and not not worms like Ogie Boogie is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know, so it's I, I thought that was an interesting touch, so I just figured I'd mention it fair enough yeah Yeah, let's go because otherwise we're never going to get through the movie
1: yeah. Well,
0: there's there's just so much to talk about. I mean, it's a really detailed movie. Like we yeah. talked about the the ride, you know they they, they put a, they packed a lot of stuff into it because they spent so much time on the design. But Jack's lament is really the key for me, at least the key song because it sets up the whole conflict of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's when he then goes kind of wandering around that he stumbles into Christmas Town, and that's the song "What's This," which is my which you said Jack's lament's your favorite. "What's This" is my favorite when uh, I actually play that along with my Christmas music. During the holidays, just because it's so fun, it's it you know because it carries that Christmas tone, and they design again the the design changes when we go to Christmas Town, and it's this bright, cheery you know just like the old Christmas specials, and it's Jack the whole song of what's this is Jack you know stumbling across all the things of Christmas and sort of discovering them as a child, which is just really fantastic.
2: Uh, It's also so here's here's what I love about the fact that it's actually Christmas versus Halloween, is 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 and it's reflected in this song is that christmas and halloween really are like at opposite ends of the holiday spectrum in terms of color and what's going on and evil versus good and that whole concept right. so it, it this that's what makes this a good song you know back to what you were saying right it's because he's like he's like the first the first answer that he comes up with is there's color everywhere right i mean because yeah because everything halloween is black and white right so it's 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 very enjoyable in that respect you know you getting through the whole song um i want to mention one thing also is you know the shot where he reaches in for the um the doorknob on the door to christmas town right mm-hmm. and it has that reflection of his face with all the trees behind him right that's right. apparently was the most difficult shot in the movie for them to make
0: oh i can imagine
2: yeah so it's it's because that's, like, a real reflection. That's not computer animated. They had to set that up and position everything just right. So
0: yeah. figured I'd mention it. Yeah, fair enough. I can uh, – yeah, I mean, if you think about it – that's the thing is, like, when you're watching the movie, they did such a good job that you don't think about things like that. But when you stop for a second and realize that that's not a digital effect, that it's, you know, an actual reflection of somebody – uh, looking into a doorknob—that's that's a pretty difficult shot to pull off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would not. Want, I'm with Tim Burton. I wouldn't want to spend the time working on that.
1: <laughs> you know, speaking of what Todd was saying about the differences between Halloween and Christmas, and how extreme those differences are, um, Tim Burton said he was inspired to make this film. I think it said he was at a grocery store or something and he saw Halloween decorations being taken down and the Christmas decorations being put up and he saw them being meshed together and it inspired him to start writing the poem for to eventually become the film. And it's just kind of funny when you think about it like you know you just see a little something and say, "Oh, I'm going to write a poem about this." And not realize how powerful that can become. I mean, imagine like having an idea, "Oh, I should write a story about this." And never knowing, like, you know, what could happen to it.
0: It really sure. is an original idea. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and like all really good ideas, it's one of those that when you first hear it, you go, well, why didn't I think of that?
1: Right. Exactly. You know,
0: because th- it's so simple, but it's, it's something that, you know, most of us just would have never thought of. Mm-hmm. But we get Jack in Christmas Town, and he sees all the things that go along with Christmas, and goes back to Halloween Town to tell everyone in town about it. And that that scene of him trying to relay what Christmas is to these folks in Halloween Town is just laugh out loud funny, because they just they they can't grasp the concept of jolly or you know presents or any of that stuff. Right. It it really hits home, like oh, these guys just, you know, they haven't even been exposed to this.
2: Yeah, it it they don't even know what to make of it, and they ask they're asking all these questions, like like the box is beautiful, right? What's inside a head, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: it's it's crazy. I mean, uh, yeah, like when he's hanging up the stocking, and the the first question is, well, is there still a foot in it? Yeah. You know? <laughs>
2: But but apparently Jack got it conceptually right, but yeah. he's still he's still struggling with what he everything that he saw right and he doesn't get Santa's name right which is like a big huge part of the movie right he calls him yes. Sandy Claus not Santa Claus right and he and he describes him as a big huge evil lobster creature right yes <laughs> <laughs> Sandy which
3: which
0: is actually like the creepiest shot in the movie right because it's it's him leaning into the camera with this you know the the light streaming up from below and
2: him kind of making his menacing face. Right. Well, he gets he has that picture because he didn't see Santa Claus, he saw Santa Claus's shadow. Right. up on the wall and it was big and used and stretched and and eerie looking, right? And that's what he saw and thought was Santa Claus, but he thought it was Sandy Claus, which is just beautiful. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really funny.
0: And that actually, I mean, the, the, so he he explains everything to them. And he recruits Lock, Shock, and Barrel, who, who we are introduced to, to to do to kidnap Santa Claus. Um, and they actually sing the song, and the song's called "Kidnap the Sandy Claus," uh, which is just a little catchy little tune.
2: <laughs> yes, it just it does get stuck in your head.
0: Yeah, I was I was actually watching it um, uh, th- this afternoon, and I'm walking around the rest of the afternoon, "Kidnap the Sandy Claus," you know, and people were looking at me funny, which I didn't think was very fair.
1: <laughs> I just don't understand.
2: It's just funny too 'cause yeah, like 'cause it's I, I just like the concept of like, like the it, the whole song is just them singing ways of things that they're gonna do to him Santa Claus once they once they get him. <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> awful things. <laughs> um I you know, so one of the interesting things, and I, I don't know if there's a reference or not, and I'm going to pull out a really like deep comic book reference, by the way, at the moment. That is not a Marvel comic book reference, by the way. Um, Are you allowed to do that? Is, is, is Disney's lawyer?: Warrior song so, off on it? So that? here's why, right? Locke, uh, it's... Pee-Wee Herman's doing the voice, by the way, for people who didn't know that. So I kind of sort of feel that with all the hair and the way it, it, point, you know, it points up in the two little devil locks and the color of his face and the way his eyes look and the long face i feel that he looks like the doctor fate villain clarion clarion the witch boy clarion the witch boy doesn't he
0: does kind of look like clarion the witch boy yes yeah
2: see okay see there is a resemblance there i'm not insane well okay maybe but Um, let's move on
1: yeah
2: or or we both are yeah
1: let's go with that
2: all right i (laughs) mean that's fair
0: uh- <laughs> but yeah, and and that's that, so it's that at that point that we're introduced to Oogie Boogie, which is why I say, I mean, he's not really the main antagonist of the movie. He's just kind of a complication along the way. Um, it, it's, it, the idea is, you know, Jack he recruits Lock, Shock, and Barrel to go and kidnap the Sandy Claws. But it's Oogie, he, he says specifically, don't get that no good Oogie Boogie involved. And and we don't see Oogie until until they're successful in their quest, but we're introduced to the concept that hey this Oogie Boogie guy is no good.
3: Well but we also we also got that concept when the mayor tells them he calls Oogie Boogie's boys and, and the mayor's like, Why are you calling them? What are you doing with them? I don't even want them involved near me. Yeah. Yes, but
0: as as the mayor says early on in the film, I'm just an elected official, I can't make decisions on my own.
2: Yes, <laughs> <One laughs> This is favorite. one of my favorite lines. It, it is <laughs> one of my favorite lines too. Is,
1: is it just me or was the mayor shaped like a piece of candy corn? I'm.
2: I was. I've been unclear about that as well. But he was. There um, was actually a toy that he's actually based on a toy. Right? Is you'd, you'd actually hit this toy on the back and the head would spin around to the other face, and then you hit it on the back again and it would spin around to the other face. That's, yeah. that's that's he's I I remember the toy when I was younger and I'm sure that Danny Eltman I mean not Danny Tim Burton remembers it too which is why it's the way it is or Henry Selick I don't know yeah who knows know. who knows who came up with what so I kind of like um, before he hands out the assignments is that he's uh he's experimenting on things you know he he crushes a a, a mistletoe seed under the microscope he um. He's, like, putting things into, like, formaldehyde and stuff like that, like the gingerbread Mm -hmm. cookie that just – that if you watch the few scenes that go on is the gingerbread cookie just keeps expanding inside the formaldehyde, right? (laughs) Because it's just a cookie, right? Yeah. (laughs) And things like that. I mean and that they put detail like that into the movie is awesome. Um, And then he crushes the ornament and it, like, into dust and drops it in this liquid and it glows. And I didn't understand what that was. He didn't right.
1: either. He said, interesting, what does it mean?
2: Right, but but even more interesting is that later on when Sally sends him the, the the bottle, right, he opens it up and it's a butterfly and it's got that same green glow to it. And they kind of hint, allude to the fact that because Sally has some affinity for Christmas, right? Because she also does that thing where she grabs the... Um, I forget what it is that she grabs, but it turns into like a little mini Christmas tree and then bursts into flame. Mm-hmm. Right, but she's got some tie to it that I don't really ever go into except for at that moment, but it's it's interesting how it's the, the glow of the ornament, the glow of the thing that she makes for him, and then she has this crates the Christmas tree somehow. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah,
0: it is. Definitely. Hmm.
2: And I, I and I can I say my favorite thing about the assignments is that using um vampires for the elves to make the toys.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was funny.
2: Well, that, I have to
0: say that that whole making Christmas sequence, which comes right in the same, same sequence, yep. um, when they're singing the song, that is another great song. But uh, I, I want Jack to be my boss because he's so encouraging. <laughs> I mean, he's because he, it's the guy's trying to put a dead turtle in as a present. In the, I can't remember the exact line, but he basically says, "Oh no, that won't make a good present. Try something fresh." Don't give up. Keep trying. You know, <laughs> basically telling him you did a horrible job, but do it again. You're great.
2: And, and the guy who takes the dead s- squirrel and makes it into a hat, and then he goes inspired. But try this, and then he uses a bat, and it's, yes. it's, it, it, it's supposed and he puts it on. It's like Mickey Mouse ears because it's got the the bat wings where the ears would be.
1: Right. right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, he's he's just so encouraging and chipper about it. You know, it's kind of
2: funny. And, and I like how there's this there's this montage going back and forth about the actual Christmas work being done in Christmastown versus the fake Christmas work being done in Halloween Town. Yeah. I love the
1: comparisons between like Santa's big bag of gifts and then the coffin. <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Cool. It, it is
0: it is awesome. So Bree, I'm curious, you said you said at some point that this slowed down for you and you lost a little interest. So, for me, this, it's this point in the movie, like, right after that is where it kind of really slows down for me. I don't know where it was for you.
1: Um, it was actually before the part where he decided to bring Christmas, like, when they were starting to count down the days and get stuff ready, that's where it lost interest for me.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, th-
1: that's when the film really slowed down for me. And then once um, it was Christmas Eve, then everything picked back up again. And then from there to the end, I enjoyed it.
0: See, I think I the part the part that that I enjoy the least, and I I really do like the whole movie, but the part that I enjoy the least is front is the part after they return, uh, Lock, Shock, and Barrel return with Sandy Claus after making an unfortunate mistake.
1: Oh, okay. Yes.
0: Um, it when, is one
1: when, of the slowest like, parts of the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Where they return with Sandy Claus, and then they take him to Oogie Boogie, like. I, I I like the Oogie Boogie character and that sequence, but it, in that song rather, but that that sequence, I, I feel like it just kind of goes on a little too long, and and then the whole Christmas Eve piece, to me, like it drags on a little bit, even though it's it's not that long, but it just feels like you know we could we could get there a little quicker. Yeah,
2: maybe. they didn't they didn't have to keep going back to the police. I felt that they kept just pulling the police in a little bit too much. Yeah, but and I don't but, know if that was because it's it, you know it probably was an easier shot, you know. No, I had so I have a feeling that they what they were doing was they were paying homage to be to B movies at this point because mm-hmm. that's, where, that's where all the monsters come to, and this is very war yeah, of the world point. if you, right? It, it yeah, it's, very good it's, point. right, and, I, and so that's why that's the real reason why they keep going back to the police. They call in the military. They have the the um. You know, air raid sirens going off. They're firing missiles at you know missiles at him. I mean, some of the characters come right from B movies because, um, what is it? Behemoth is one of the characters. He's one. Of, he's like the big Lumaxi guy, right? He's actually based on Tor Johnson, who's you know was in Plan Nine from Outer Space and s- stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know though I, I do love when when some of the Christmas Christmas quote unquote if you will slash Halloween gifts come to life and I love so much when that big snake ugly snake stripe thing starts eating the tree and that poor helpless kid is standing on the sidelines screaming
2: <laughs> my 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 favorite is the um just for some reason I really dig it the um the wreath that they have on the, that he hangs on the door and it's like alive and starts like you know fighting as the kids trying to like.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. That's good <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, I, I really like the, the whole, the whole Christmas Eve sequence is, is nice. I just feel like, you know, like you'd said, Todd, I think they go back to the police station a few too, too many times. And, um, it, it, but ultimately, it, you know, Jack gets shot down, um, which I do, I do have to say, I love his reaction when the guns are pointing at him and they start exploding shells nearby. And he's like, they're celebrating for us. <laughs> That does crack me up. a Which a is, bit. I
3: think, not Dumbo.
0: Oh, good call. Good call. Mm. Yeah, I like da, it.
1: Da, da, da. But uh, yeah, and,
0: and it's when Jack gets shot down that we get the the other kind of iconic image from this, which is Jack laying in the arms of the the gravestone angel. Yeah, which is you know if you've seen any, uh, that's one of the big collector pieces. Is that they they. Disney produced a, uh, I don't know if it was Walt Disney classics collection, but a sculpture basically that ha- of that. Uh, and it was one of their best sellers. Uh So that's, it's definitely the other kind of iconic image besides the curly Q. And it, it, it's then that it takes Jack to realize that, you know, being the best at Halloween is actually probably the best thing for him. So again, the whole, the whole conflict is, is in his head. It's him. Right. Um, and he's just dragging everyone else along with, for the ride. But it, it he then understands all of a sudden that, you know, Hey, Halloween's my thing and I'm good at it. Um, and yep. he has to go back and and, and, and,
2: and the famous line, I am the pumpkin King. Yes. yes. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> he, 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 comes back to himself, which is important. Cause I don't think we really, I don't think we necessarily saw the real Jack until this point. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah, because, exactly. Because Jack is already in his rut when the movie starts. Yeah. So, um, and I, I kind of like that he, he, he doesn't just come into his own about Halloween again. He realizes the mistake he made, right? That's, that's very important.
1: Right.
0: Yep.
2: So, you know, because he, he goes, he says, he, he realizes he spoiled Christmas. He realizes that everything went wrong and it's his fault. And then he goes, and then he's like, and I want to make it bright again.
0: Yeah, and it's it's another of the of the Christmas special tropes, right? Of the whole thing of Christmas might not come. That's right. that's a common thing in the Christmas specials. A year without
2: a Santa Claus.
0: Sorry. No,
3: <laughs> but that's okay because all the Jewish kids would still have a holiday. That's right. <laughs> it. It. That's right. You're Not gonna be missing out
0: when Jack takes takes a uh, takes a dive, huh?
2: No, well this is this is clearly um I mean there's this this is clearly one of the, one of the many um how the Grinch stole Christmas references, right? Is you know this is the Grinch's heart growing nine, you know, th- what is it? three sizes too large or whatever it is. Yeah, and
0: Grinch Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, and the whole thing is then he's got to go and rescue Santa from Oogie Boogie to save Christmas. Like I said, that's you know, that's a common trope of 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 Christmas. I mean, there uh, I can't tell. I can't count on one hand how many Christmas movies have have featured that, or or specials, or whatever that that have that whole idea of you know we got to either find Santa or Santa's you know been knocked out of commission for some reason and we've got to you've got to carry on Christmas without him or, or you know it, it's one of the most common tropes in in Christmas specials. Yep. Um, yep. I, but,
2: I, I like how Sally tries to rescue. um santa herself yeah yeah (laughs) she she uses her legs to distract uh, Oogie boogie and then he um then she sends her hands down to to untie him i just think it's a brilliant use of like it goes back to what brianna said in the beginning with her unraveling her arm right right it it, it's it because they demonstrated it early and this is the payoff moment for it so yep
3: exactly
0: yeah, they do make good use of of her. Well, and really, all the characters of their unique traits. You know, it's it's this is not a movie that could be done in live action.
1: Yeah, I did want to make a uh, mention of the fact that Santa Claus was voiced by a man named Edward Ivory, and what was disappointing to hear was that they were going to cast Vincent Price, which I think would have been brilliant. But unfortunately, his wife had just died, and his health started to fail. But I think that would have been so much more perfect for this film. Nothing against Ed Ivory. I mean, he did a fabulous job, but I'm just saying, you know. Yep.
3: And since we're on Voices, the voice of a, of the Harlequin Demon, who is Greg P- Greg Proops.
0: Greg Proops, that's right. Oh, I know where you're going with this, Cheryl. Bring it.
3: He, he's been on Star Wars, The Clone Wars as Merrick. And he was on The Phantom Venice as a voice for The Phantom Venice as Foday.
0: Yeah. Yep, he he is the Star Wars, and he's on who he was on the American version of Whose Lines Is It Anyway, and was hysterical. Yes, he was. I remember that.
1: There you have it, yep. folks.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, so we get and then we get Jack going in and rescuing Santa and saving Christmas, basically uh, as the. The big finish there before we have the finale song of, of Jack and Sally and everyone in Halloween Town kind of celebrating that they've gotten back to their roots now and they're going to be uh, putting on the best Halloween ever. Um, and it, the very touching moment, which kind of echoes that that iconic shot earlier of Jack and Sally on the curly queue as opposed to Jack alone. Yep. Which makes me wonder: was it you know is it is was it all about just getting Jack and Sally together? Maybe.
1: You know what I think so. Maybe
0: yeah.
3: Sally asked for that for Christmas.
2: Oh, oh, there you go, Cheryl. But, well she was That's clearly a- she was clearly in love with him at the beginning of the movie, right? So oh, yeah.
3: yeah. But I like how Santa said to her, said to Jack that next time you have a plan, run it by her. She seems to be the only sane one in this town. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. He, he actually says in this insane asylum, so <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> um so yeah, so um <laughs> he says I, I love to do, do you get the feeling that Santa was doing something here this is here, here's why I ask right Santa could have escaped at any time right all he had to do is get his finger to his nose right it sure seems that way doesn't it right and, and the way the movie ends I've always wondered if that was if it was really the, the entire plot was Santa's gift to Jack right Hmm. Not just... Right? Cause, cause, because a lot of people in the world would feel that their greatest gift would be to find themselves, right? Yeah. So, you know, it kind of sort of fits. I was, and I was just wondering that. Because, I mean, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, there's plenty of time to save Christmas. And, you know, and, and it's done. And Christmas is all good again. And everybody's happy. And all the evil stuff's gone. And it's like, boom. Interesting. You okay. know. Okay. Hmm. I, I hadn't thought of that, but it makes sense. Yeah, so, I had
1: not I mean, thought of that not, either.
2: It's not clear, but it's, I'm just throwing it out there as as a possible what was actually going on. It was all engineered by Santa. Hmm. Because yeah. he's he's that good. Yeah, he it is. is it, yeah, of course. It's
0: it's definitely a film that works on a couple of levels. You know, I mean that's that's the thing I've we we talked about it earlier with with Jack and his internal conflicts, you know, uh, you keep, as you keep watching it, the more you, the more you age, um, you pick up on new things every little time and you can find stuff like that, that you might not have noticed the first time through.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what did we think overall? I mean, we've talked through the story. What do we, what did we think of the music, the, the Elfman and Burton collaborations there?
1: Fantastic.
2: Wholeheartedly agree.
1: Super duperly, extraordinarily fantastic.
2: No, I think it's an awesome soundtrack. I mean, it's just one of the better ones in existence, basically. So, yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree.
1: So, uh, Todd, your favorite song from this is Jack's lament.
2: Yeah, just because I I I I like something that just really translates a character like that. So,
1: and Ryan's, yours is.
2: I I like what's this. What's
1: this? Okay. Mine is mine is this is Halloween. Okay. And what's your what's your Cheryl? Do you have a favorite?
3: I don't, but I like This Is Halloween a lot.
2: Yeah. Well, This Is Halloween is probably one of the best musical starts to a movie. So yeah, yeah. I would agree. Agree. Okay.
3: Well, yeah. plus I hear it, I think for me I hear it all the time, so it's you know it's more you know, it's more in my head because you know right. they play it all the time for you know parties and
1: stuff. And... Do they play it during the parade or fireworks? I could have sworn I heard that song. Yes, they do, I think. Yeah, they play yeah. it
2: Halloween.
0: Yeah, I think it's in Hallowishes, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I thought I remembered. All of a sudden, I felt like I was sitting on the ground again at Magic Kingdom. I said, whoa, I recognize this way too much.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, it it this is like, so so... Soundtrack-wise, you know how we how on Main Street they're always playing "Happiest Millionaire" music, right? This is the yes. Halloween version of "Happiest Millionaire." If you, if you in use yes. in the in the park, <sighs> yes, 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 yeah. This
0: is this is so this replaces Fortuosity, Brie. So you're gonna hear "Nightmare Before Christmas" instead.
1: So I'm good with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I figured you. <laughs> but poor poor Cheryl's got to go in the Magic Kingdom and be like, "Where's my Happiest Millionaire?"
3: It'll <laughs> be there during the
1: day. I'm sure it will.
0: Yeah, there you yeah. go.
1: Actually, I did hear it uh, my first night there, walking through because they weren't having the Halloween party that night, and they were playing Fortuosity.
2: Yeah, I, I can't. It, it's it's it plays more than once. It, it's so you know how. Just really quick, it, it, it's because they do a loop. And Fortuosity, I swear, it plays more times on the set on the loop than all the other songs do. I agree.
1: <laughs> I believe it.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this isn't about happiest millionaire, you can listen to an earlier episode for that. <laughs> that's
3: right.
1: You can. Uh
2: the one thing the one thing I'll note the
0: only other thing I had to say about this movie, it's interesting if you read interviews with Henry Selick, how much he likes to dismiss the contributions of anyone except himself. Hmm. And I don't know if that's true or not, but like if you read if you read like some of the things he says about the movie he sort of dismisses the idea of tim burton having much of an influence on it you know he's like i directed the movie tim came up to where we were shooting a couple times you know um he he he, he said a lot of the characterization and the script was was all them rewriting on the fly all this kind of stuff i, I just wonder if he feels like he doesn't get enough credit for the movie or or what? But it's it, it just you know if you just Google Henry Selick Nightmare Before Christmas and read some of the things he said, like over and over again, he he kind of dismisses some of the things that, that other folks brought to the to the uh, experience. Wow,
2: that's 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 interesting. Cause I mean, if you look at it right, I mean, like Carolyn Thompson, she wrote the screenplay version, right? And I mean, but she's got such a history working with Tim Burton you know yeah. as, as much as Danny Elfman does, right, and so it's uh it's interesting because you would think that their influence is probably greater than his, even though he was responsible for all the stop motion, but still you know yeah. it, it's uh it's interesting by the way, I just wanted to mention that so Danny Elfman for those who forget he was the lead singer in Oingo boingo right. Yeah, and um, he always makes a reference in the movie to one of his Oingo Boingo songs. Okay, I'm not sure if people oh, realize that. I didn't that. know that. Yeah, I did not so that. so the line that the line in um where he in um this is Halloween where he goes tender lumplings everywhere. Okay, that tender lumplings is one of their original little skits. <laughs>
3: uh, right, okay.
2: back back when they before they were just Oingo Boingo, they had were a mus- They were a um like a performance artist type thing more than they were just a band. And that mm-hmm. was where and the, that's one of their skits. And the skit's very very appropriate because it's uh it's the members are dressed as zombies and they come rising out of the grave singing their song.
0: <laughs> oh. Nice. Wow. It, it fits.
2: Yeah. So Ooh. that's that's why. And and Danny Elfman also said that this was one of his favorite soundtracks ever to write. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it seems
0: like he kind of poured a lot of himself into it and worked with um tim burton pretty closely on uh on creating this too yeah. so
2: i mean he felt particu- he felt particularly close with jack um that's not why he sung jack he actually sung jack because chris sarandon apparently has no real good singing voice yes so <laughs> so, it was, so it would seem <laughs> but makes a mean vampire <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
0: all right so uh the nightmare before christmas i have to say again uh if you are a fan of the movie i i highly recommend this on blu-ray it is packed with bonuses and behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff that uh you can you can watch this for you know you can watch the movie and the extras and and take you know a whole evening uh of just going through the ins and outs of the movie so i I highly recommend it on blu-ray if you are uh, a big fan of the film uh but it's time for ratings We will start with a person who has only seen it once. Brianna Alessio, what say you?
1: What say me? It is not often that you guys can help mentally change the vote that I would give this film. Or any, any film. And you actually have done that this time. Um, I was going to give this film a three and a half and I've decided to give it a four. Um, the cinematography, everything about it is just so beautiful. Um, huge props to Tim Burton and Danny Elfman and everyone else involved in this film. It's just, it really is spectacular. And just because my personal opinion, I might give it three and a half because of my personal taste. I mean, when you look at it, in the greater scheme of things, I mean, just the beauty of the film and the idea of it, you know, it's, it's not your average everyday film, you know. So I'm going to go with four.
0: Cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cheryl, you want to take a stab at it?
3: Well, since I don't want Todd's brother killing me anytime soon, <laughs> I'm going to give this a four. I think I'll be right. safe from the wrath of Todd's brother.
2: I think you're safe from that anyway.
3: Oh, no, I think not.
2: I think he likes you better than me.
3: May I remind you who, <laughs> remind you well, who almost got us kicked out of Magic Kingdom? Thank yeah, you. Yeah,
2: well, we, we will not tell that story on the
1: podcast. It's going to have to be after-podcast story because I think I want to hear this one.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Miss, Mr. Perlmutter. Your thoughts. Yes. Well, okay. So this is this is just a movie I love to come back to all the time. um You know, it's it's just it's just a definite favorite. Um, and and I'm gonna go with a four and a half because I like it that much.
0: Fair enough. Have we ever gotten a five
3: from you? No. Close. Nope.
0: We haven't yet. Interesting. Nope.
1: No. I don't think uh, Todd knows I, five.
0: I'm not sure he does either. Yeah. Uh, this, is,
2: this, this is definitely a, a four for me. Um, um, oh my, wait, wait, wait. Oh my God, the rating yes, system goes to five? Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now we have to go back and redo all of our shows. Ugh.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to have to give this one a four. I really, really love it. It's just there's certain, there, it's not something I'm going to watch over and over and over again, sort of like um, the, the first Pirates movie or Mary Poppins. It's something I definitely break out you know around this time of year this this Halloween into the as one of my former ministers used to call it hallow Thankmas time of year <laughs> uh, I, I break out the the nightmare before Christmas and probably watch it a couple times but it's not something I come back to the rest of the year but it, it's really fantastic the soundtrack and everything so uh yeah there you go all right So that is our look at The Nightmare Before Christmas. Go and uh, comment on the show notes if you go to DisneyFilmProject.com, and you can leave a comment there and let us know what you thought of the program. We appreciate that. You can also tweet us. You go to at Project and let us know what you think of of the show and and your thoughts on The Nightmare Before Christmas, or you can go to Facebook.com. Uh, and search for Disney film project there. You can make sure you like us, and then you can leave a comment and let us know what you think of the show. So send it, send in new notes or emails, and maybe we'll read some of those on the show and take suggestions. We're we're always open for new ways to help you guys uh, find new movies and enjoy stuff. So uh, send us notes. We we love to read them. Uh, until next week, though, you can keep up with us. Uh, go over to TouringPlans dot com. Uh, who is the sponsor of of this episode? By the way, um, TouringPlans dot com. Woo! That's right. We love touringplans.com. Go over there and check out the touring plans, the crowd calendar, the lines application, all of these things designed to help you save time and money while you are at Walt Disney World or at Disneyland. So wherever you're going to a Disney park, you definitely want to hit up touringplans.com first, and you can check out all the great things they have there to save you time. You can check out the blogs. We recommend that, right, because Mr. Todd Perlmutter and myself have, have blogs there that you can check out and read. Uh you can also go over to DisneyDrivenLife dot com where you can read Miss Brianna Alessio's uh information there as the attractions blogger. You can read some movie reviews from myself and you can see Todd's chief technical wizardry. And then make sure you keep up with Cheryl. Go to about dot me slash CherylP three or uh you keep up with her on Twitter. She she she's out there, you know, giving the wisdom people. So pay attention. Uh but until next week, folks, um what's this?
1: This is Halloween. Everybody make a scene.
2: <laughs> there are children throwing snowballs here instead of throwing heads.
3: Are you a gambling man, Santa? Hello. 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 Welcome to Movie Phone. You're what one guy <laughs> with guy
2: to the
3: movies?
2: <laughs> what movie would you like to see? If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, <laughs> press 1. <laughs> That was before we had the internets. That's how we used to find out where movies were playing.
0: Yes. I'm sure Bree doesn't remember that because she was a zygote at the time. (laughs)